Good morning. Happy Mother's Day, all of you, but especially to one. Thank you, Mom, for, for you know, me. If it wasn't for your pushing, where would I be? <laughs> Thanks, Mom. I love you. Um, so I need someone who just loves Mountain Dew. I need a volunteer for somebody that loves Mountain Dew. Any Mountain Dew fans? Yeah. yeah. Any, okay, we got, there's two. I'm just surprised there's only two people. Tyler, come on up. I know there's more of you. It's just the only people that raised their hands were people that were willing. <laughs> come on up. Come right up here. Okay. All right, turn around, face everybody. I'm going to give you a Mountain Dew, okay? I've got a cooler here. This is, you see, this is, this is Mama. It's Mother's Day. This is Baby. Okay, so i um, got a whole bunch of them there. So what we have to do in our Christian faith, I didn't arrange this very well. What we have to do in our Christian faith is we have to make sure that everyone else can experience just how wonderful Jesus is. And so we walk around, but what, what matters isn't the bottle, it's what's inside that counts. And so we need to let people experience just how wonderful the goodness of God is. Tyler, you want to just take a sniff, do the chemistry thing? Yes. <laughs> Smells normal. Smell, get wonderful. I'm going to time you to see how long it takes you to drink that. Okay. For real? For real, you can drink it. Ready? Set, go. You can stop. How's that taste? How's that taste? You totally set me up for that, didn't you? I did, man. I totally set you up. It was water. It was water with two drops of lemon food coloring and just a splash of lemon juice for the smell. This thing looks exactly like Mountain Dew. I'll just have you know. That's how you can fool people. But I totally set you up. I totally set you up. I'm so sorry. Do you forgive me? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you've been... I preached a few weeks ago on forgiveness. And you can have that. Do you want the rest of this one? Uh, you can keep it. I'll keep it. How, how about I give you another one? How about I give you a different one? Because I came prepared. Because I felt bad. That was going to be setting you up. Here's, this is a real one, unopened, so you could take that with you, okay? Thank you. Yes. Give him a hand, everybody. I need Chris Clear to come over here from the Unity Hall, please. I got a few Mountain Dews for everyone in the Unity Hall. And I know Janet really wanted one. Here you go. That one's a real one. Thank you. So often we go around in our spiritual development. Yeah, give those to anybody. Thanks. We, uh, I think we forget sometimes what the purpose of our Christian life is. We have something amazing inside of us. The power of God. But if we're not careful, we wind up with wounded faith. If we're not careful, we'll walk around thinking, I have the power of God. But it's nothing inside but a fizzless version, fizzless, flavorless version of the real thing. Right. When we have wounded faith. If I'm making sense, say, come on. Come on. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You will be able to, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So do not conform. So conform is an outward pressure. 
put, put upon something. So imagine Play-Doh, and I take something that's like a mold, and I push it down on Play-Doh. I take the mold off. I'm going to be conformed to the mold, right? But be transformed. Imagine a balloon inside of Play-Doh, and you, and you blow up the balloon. It still completely changes it, but it's from the inside out. That's how the power of God should be with us. Yes. Do not be conformed. Using Tyler as an example here. I conformed him. I conformed his mind with a lie, right, with a lie. But he needs to be transformed. And when he chugs that one liter, when he gets home, and he chugs that one liter, he can be transformed by the reality of what it actually is. Let's not walk around with a bottle of water, two drops of lemon food coloring, and a splash of lemon juice and call it real. We have to have healed faith. And in particular today, what I'm going to talk about is an unrenewed mind. That's what happens. We have an unrenewed mind. So we need to renew our mind. When uh, Paul says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think about the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? It's the current evil age that we live in today. Do not be conformed by TV, music, your neighbor, your spouse. Do not be conformed by those ideas if they do not coincide with the ideas of Christ. Rather, be transformed by the true God, by the power of God that's inside of us from the inside out. So there's a few verses that talk about this evil present age. We're going to look at those. So there's uh, four areas of our mind that we must regularly renew in order to have vibrant faith. Four areas of our mind that must be regularly renewed in order to have vibrant faith. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Number one, unrenewed humility. Unrenewed humility. Romans chapter 12 continues. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. We exist for each other, yes. church. This is, um, I think this is kind of hard for us to realize. Humility is hard. Humility is the healthy realization of the fact you're not enough. Humility is the healthy realization of the fact that you ain't enough. The first one was better grammar. I said ain't the second time. It's not self-depreciating. Um, I stink. That's not, that's not humble. It's not weakness. It's reality. Even when you're at your best, you aren't enough. You need Jesus. And if you're a Christian, we need each other. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, verse 5, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we belong to each other. Can you imagine the hand saying, I'm enough? Enough for what? Like, what do you you think you're going to feed, hand? 
Like, like what's, I'm an elbow, woohoo, that's enough. What do you think? The elbow exists for everything past the elbow. We are to serve. It's a hard pill to swallow, but true humility is based in the reality of the healthy realization that we're not enough. We need each other, and we need Jesus. Um, here we go. Pride, that's really the opposite of humility. Pride is sneaky. Turn to the person next to you, type it in the chat, say, sneaky. Pride is so sneaky. If you think you don't have any pride, that's a good indicator. You, you may. Pride can't touch me. <laughs> sounds prideful. In our society, anyway, we are encouraged to be confident. It's praised. Have confidence. I agree. Have confidence. But don't let confidence in yourself replace confidence in God. We are to be confident in God. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. You know your Bible. Apart from him, we can do nothing. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says it like this. So if you think you're standing firm... Be careful that you don't fall. If you think you got it all together, hold on. You're the one that's got to be careful. Or another way to say that, I just want to help you remember stuff. Another way to say that, maybe, if you think you're big stuff, remember, next to Jesus, you're a squirt. You're just a squirt. I got three more, don't worry. Next to Jesus, you're just a squirt. If you think you're standing firm, you're the guy that has to be careful. You don't fall. Second thing I want to say about pride is pride is often a stumbling block to hearing God's will or hearing his voice. Anyone ever, ever, ever say, God, just tell me what you want me to do? Anybody? Yeah. Just, God, what, what's the right path? Pride is often the thing that's blocking us from realizing it. There's a story in the Bible in uh, Numbers 22 through 24. There's this guy named Balaam. And he gets paid a lot of money to go curse Israel. So he's on his way to curse Israel. And God's not very happy about that. And God sends an angel to kill Balaam. But the Lord had blinded Balaam's eyes. He couldn't see what was there. He didn't see what God was doing. But he's riding on this donkey, and the donkey could see the angel. And the donkey was like, like stopped and wouldn't go. And Balaam got off and was like, dumb donkey and was beating the thing. And he got back on it and tried to get it to go and the donkey, the donkey wouldn't move because the donkey saw that if he took another step, they all dead. They weren't going to do it. And Balaam got off and beat at him a couple times and finally the Lord opened, look it up, it's in the Bible, the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and I imagine he spoke probably a little bit like Eddie Murphy. Just... <laughs> Just imagine it. And the donkey turned and he looked to Balaam and he said, what are you doing? You've gotten off and beaten me all these times, but can't you see? And the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the truth that he was about to die. And he repented. Balaam's pride got in the way of him seeing the will of God. He couldn't see it. And that's how it is with us. Humility is the healthy realization of the fact that you're not enough. You need Jesus we need each other. It's not self-depreciating. It's not weakness. It's reality. Even when you're at your best, you still aren't enough. That's right. You need Jesus, and we need each other.
We need each other. Third thing I want to say about pride is pride is fertile soil for lies. Has anyone ever heard of, uh, it's called a feedback loop, or it's called something else, a confirmation loop. Your, new, your Facebook newsfeed is a confirmation loop. This is how it works. If you are surrounded by people who agree with you, whether you're right or wrong, you'll think you're right. Yep. That's just how it works. If no one's willing to listen to anything else, any other sides, you're stuck in a confirmation loop because everyone that looks at you, everyone that talks back to your ideas, says, mm-hmm. Yeah. But just because somebody agrees with you doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. You get a whole group of people saying, this sin is okay. Jesus is okay with this one. And if everybody around you says, uh-huh, he is, he is, he is, you're going to think you're right. But you're dumping out a little bit more Mountain Dew and putting in a little more water when you do that. Don't water it down. Just because there's, when it comes to issues of faith, really, when it comes to issues of truth, it's not, it's not an issue of, um, like, uh, democracy. It's not a democracy of what truth is. There's a truth, there's not a truth. There's a truth, and there's not a truth. We don't get to vote on it. There's no vote to it. We are to just obey. But that takes some humility. That takes some humility. Especially if you're in a big circle of people that all agree that this other thing is okay or... It takes some humility to recognize that the majority is wrong. It may not even be the majority. It could just be your majority. Okay. It's especially true on Facebook. I mentioned Facebook. It's especially true. You ever seen people um, say, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just what happens. This is how the feedback loop occurs. Have you ever seen somebody say, if you don't agree with this, I'm just going to unfriend you. That's how the feedback loop happens. If you don't agree with the thinking then I'm not going to hear any voice from you. That's how the, and so you'll spend the rest of your life thinking you're right. Okay. <laughs> Do you need to renew your humility today? Do you need to embrace the truth of your inner squirt? <laughs> Next to Jesus, you're just a squirt. Do you need to embrace and renew your humility? How are you doing? Maybe you don't like the idea of needing saved. There's people like that. That's the biggest, uh, biggest hindrance to them receiving Jesus. I don't need a savior. Maybe, maybe you just like living life by your own rules. Believing that the rules don't apply to you, and when someone asks you to do something uh, you don't like, your instinct, whether or not you do it, your instinct is to start a protest. It might be... You might, need unrene- you might need to renew your, humil- your humility. There's nothing wrong with being your own boss, but is the reason you want to be your own boss simply because you reject the idea of being a man or woman under authority? Come on. Is that the only reason? Good if you can be your own boss, it's great. But if the reason is, I won't be a man or woman under authority, that's a heart issue. Yes. That's, that's a heart issue. Okay, I've said enough. I'll put that down here. Here's number two. Second thing I think we sometimes need to renew, to have a renewed mind. You might have wounded faith if you have unrenewed surrender. Unrenewed surrender. 
See, if we aren't careful, pride will lead to greater sins. We won't surrender everything to God. Romans 12, 1, the verse before the one I, I started with, says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies or your whole entire lives, give it to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So I surrender my whole life to Christ. Our American thinking, we like to think of, it's like a compartment. Like, you know, Sunday's my God day. Like that's, you know, I'm a Christian because of Sunday. But when Paul was writing that, it was very clear to, to the people that would have heard it, offer your whole bodies, offer your whole lives is how they would have read that. That's what the word means. Offer your whole lives, every piece of it. It's not you're a Christian because of Sunday. Yep. It's everything you say, everything you think, everything you do, the conversations you have, all your decisions. Surrender everything to God. So I surrender my whole life to Christ because of that. We need to hold nothing back. This, for some of us, this is going to be a duh, but for some of us, this is actually new. It's my job to get the mind of Christ, not the other way around. It's Santa Claus's job to get my mind. That's why I write him a a list. It's my job to get the mind of Christ, not his mind to, his job to agree with me. I am to agree with him. That's so hard because, well, because of the first one, pride. Because of pride, it's so hard to give up control, isn't it? To surrender, you got to give up control. Anybody like to be in control? Come on, you can admit it. You like to be in control? Yeah, if you like to be in control, if you are like me and you like to be in control, you need to mellow your control. In fact, you need to mellow yellow your control. You just got to mellow yellow your control. There we go. Mellow yellow, your control. So I surrender my will. I surrender my whole life. I surrender my will. What I choose doesn't matter anymore. What I want doesn't matter anymore because what I, I picked what I want. I want what Jesus said. And so I give up my right to choose how I will live. He chooses how I live. That's what surrendering our will means. The third thing I surrender is I surrender my finances to God. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 tells us this. Command those who are rich in this present world, in this present world, it, it, you know, the, the evil age, the, the conformity. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. So don't be conformed by the world in the area of money. Don't let the world's idea of money conform the way you think of it. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God made a way for this to happen. It's been going on for a few thousand years. God made a way for this to happen. It's in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. The Bible says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Two things, leave that verse up just for a second, or 
Yeah, maybe to go back to the first part of it. Two things I want you to see at the first part of this verse. The word tithe. It means 10%. That's, that's what that word means, 10%. And where does it go? Into the storehouse. The, the tithe belongs in the storehouse. I believe today for most of us, that would be the local church. That's why me and my wife give above 10% to this church because this is the storehouse, and I believe the Bible says to do it. Yes. It's not about the church or Jesus wanting your money. Jesus doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And that's what Jesus talked about. Go to the next verse. There's another verse in one of the Gospels. Matthew or Mark or something. There it is, Matthew. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus isn't after your wallet. He's after your heart. If this verse is true, if this verse is true, how are you? I, I hope you believe the Bible. If this verse is true, are you surrendered in this area? If this verse is true, just imagine the church had no bills at all. Should we still tithe? Yes. The church's bills are irrelevant to the matter. They exist, but they're irrelevant to the matter. This isn't about bills. This is about our heart. And being surrendered. Yes. So bring the tithe to the storehouse is a pattern that God's presented to us. So let me ask you, how surrendered is your life? Your whole, the whole of your life, every part. Jesus isn't looking for, you know, your front, night, you know, the nice pretty foyer area in your house. He wants every closet. How surrendered is your life to the Lord? How surrendered is your will, the decisions you make? Maybe in your mind, scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing? How surrendered is your will, your right to choose? Have you given up your right to choose how you will live to the Lord and let him pick? And how surrendered are your finances? If you struggle in the area of finances and you'd be uh, open to trying out tithing, if you go to our giving page, we have a, a thing called the 90-day tithe challenge. Jesus said in that verse, Test me in this, and I will put blessings back into your life. So it's a 90-day tithe challenge, and it's basically a money-back guarantee. God's going to do what he's going to do, or he's not. And if he doesn't, nothing to lose. So you can read about it if you're interested in tithing, and you haven't before. All right, here's the, uh, the third one. The third thing I think we need to renew. This can wound our faith if we have unrenewed thoughts. Unrenewed thoughts. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We're going to do a participatory reading of that scripture. Can you put it back to the, to the beginning of that verse again? I'm going to read some of it, and when I point to you, even at home, also in the Unity Hall, I want you to participate with me. Say it out loud. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Your thoughts are your choice. That's a duh for some people, but that, for some of you, that's the first time you ever thought of that. 
Your thoughts are your choice. They're facts because you do think them. Doesn't make them real. Everybody hates me. That's a fact that I think that everyone hates me or that I feel that way. But is it fact that everyone hates me? That's not the fact. Jesus, I mean, we got one. No matter how hated you are, there's one. Or, or anyone ever heard someone say, he made me so mad. He didn't make you mad. Like, like I, I told Tyler earlier, like I told Tyler that this was Mountain Dew. And he was fooled into thinking this was Mountain Dew. And he could have said, oh, that made me so mad. I didn't make him mad. I made him hydrated. <laughs> he chose to feel mad at it. Or if I spit, if I spit on you, I didn't make you mad. I made you wet. Really? I mean, it's kind of fun, but really, you get to choose. I mean, it makes sense that you would get mad if I spit on you, but you get to choose. You don't have to be mad. Your thoughts are your choice. 2 Corinthians 10.5, the second part says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to to Christ. Another way to say that, if I wrote that, that Bible verse, I would say, we take the thoughts that don't obey Christ and we crush them. We just, we crush the thoughts that don't, don't make Jesus happy. We just crush them. Our life, so much of our life isn't spent here. It's spent here. The majority of our life is spent in our mind. Our thoughts. So this is a big deal for us. They have to be submitted to Jesus. You know, there's some sins that occur that if I do it, everyone would know. Like if I walk over and just slap somebody, you would all see that. I'm not going to go slap anybody right now because you would see it and you'd be like. (laughs) But I can slap somebody without anyone else thinking I'm naughty. But is it different to him? I'm not sure it is. Jesus is looking at our heart, right? So our thoughts, they so matter. They so matter. And if you have unrenewed thoughts that are not being continually subjected to God's will, you're going to have a wounded faith. And your life is going to be only a shadow of what it should be. Our life is dominated by our thoughts, so make them obey Jesus. In particular, self-talk. Anyone ever struggle with some self-talk, the things you say to yourself? Insecurity? Did did she just ignore me? She probably just ignored me. Internal debate? That's it. I just had a good idea. Or, you know, it's probably just a stupid idea. It's just a stupid idea. Or an identity crisis. You don't know who you are. I could probably be good at that. Or I, I probably, I'd, uh, I couldn't do it. Or the ever famous face palm. What a stupid thing to say. Oh. Watch those. Put those into submission to Jesus. Also, your thoughts towards others. That idiot deserves it. Well, that idiot, do you know what you, the first thing you could say about that idiot? The second thing, maybe he was an idiot. But the first thing you could say about that guy is he's made in the image of Christ. 
And Jesus loves them. So, so much must you. Take the thoughts that don't honor Jesus. Crush them. I think one of the great ways to make our thoughts go in the right direction is, is to start by, do, by saying what God says about us and say what God says about others. Just say it in your mind. Say it with your mouth. Fill your life with God's word, God's promises, and that renews your thoughts. Really, we need more motivational speakers in the church. I don't mean, I don't mean we need more Matt Foley's. Thank you for those who know who that is. We need, we need more people who speak motivationally. When you speak, you are either a motivational speaker or a devastational speaker. Come on. One or the other, pick. And you get to pick. You get to pick. But he made me mad. No, you chose to be mad. You get to pick what kind of speaker you are. We need more motivational speakers in the church. Anybody willing to be a motivational speaker? I hope so. See, it works this way. See, uh, here's an example in Scripture. Psalm 103.1 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Now look at this. Look at this. Praise the Lord. Who's, who's he talking to? My soul. He's talking to himself. He's being a motivational speaker to himself. Probably around this time, he didn't feel like praising the Lord. And so he decided to be a motivational speaker. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. All that is within me. Bless his holy name. Be a motivational speaker. So when you think, what a stupid thing to say. I'm just a dummy that can't do it. That was the best I could do without my own, by myself. So I need Jesus. I surrender to you, God. Be a motivational speaker. I am a conqueror. Sometimes when I'm feeling down, I like to sing the old song that, that I, I would sing in this church when I was little. Uh, I am a conqueror, victorious. I'm reigning with Jesus. I'm seated in heavenly places with him, with him. For the kingdom of God is within me. I know no defeat, only victory. The kingdom of God is within me. I know no defeat, only Strength and power. Those are the old people that know that one. I knew it. I knew it. I'm, I mean, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm at that point now. I'm just that old enough. So tell yourself how to think. I will have a good day. I won't look at that website. It's not normal to live that way that they're showing me on TV. I'm not worthless. That guy's not worthless. You're not worthless. Tell yourself with your mouth what thoughts you will have. Speaking the truth is one of the greatest ways to take every thought captive and to crush it. Speak truth. Here's the fourth thing, if we're not careful. If we're not careful, here's the fourth thing that um, will, will hinder our faith, that will wound our faith. And we need to fix it if we have an unrenewed <coughs> spirit. They spelled it wrong on this one. In fact, if you get a close-up, I actually wrote in with a permanent marker. It says spirit. Anybody want a glass of spirit right there? You can open up a can of Holy Ghost right there. Holy Spirit. I bless it. It's a bottle of Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave, gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present age, to rescue us from the conformity 
of the world around us. The present age tries to conform what we are like. So he came to rescue us from being conformed so that we can be transformed according to the will of our God and Father. Christ gave himself to save us from the conformity of the world. And we need to embrace the treasure of the Holy Spirit. Embrace, again, imagine the Play-Doh. And if I push something on top, it will take that shape of whatever I'm pushing on top. And I lift it up, it's going to look like a castle or whatever. But when this present evil age pushes down on us, the Bible's very clear. Do not be conformed by the present evil age. Do not be conformed by the way everyone else around us, around us talks and thinks and behaves. Don't be conformed by that. But instead, imagine a balloon inside that ball of Play-Doh and the breath of God blows it. It's going to change everything. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we need to have a renewed spirit. Would you stand with me? When we're born, everybody, without exception, every, if you call yourself human, you're born with a spirit. And when you're born, it's dead. It can be renewed. God created life. He created nothing dead. But it's because of sin that our spirit starts out dead. And if you've not received Jesus as your Savior, opened up your life to him, your spirit is still dead. You need a renewed spirit to live for Christ. If that's you, I just want to invite you to pray with me right now. Or if you're watching online, if you're watching online right now, there's a spot in the public chat where you can click and say yes to Jesus. If you do that, I encourage you to then click the next button and start a private, private chat with our pastor or one of our hosts. They're ready to pray with you and uh, guide you through your next step. But if you want to surrender your life to Christ and you've never done it before, I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Lord, thank you so much for dying on the cross to save me from my sins. I know I need you because my spirit is dead. Please come into my life. Renew me. I believe in what you've done, and I want to follow you with all my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, uh, please, please come up and see me or one of the pastors or our elders. And, uh, we want to be able to congratulate you and give you high fives or maybe elbows if you prefer. The rest of us. Maybe your spirit, I think it's the majority here, your spirit already came into life when you asked Jesus in your heart. Maybe it was a long time ago. Have you ever seen a, a flower that doesn't get the right nourishment it needs? It wilts. God wants us bright, fizzy. We need to have a renewed spirit. So as we sing this last song, let's ask the Lord to renew our spirit. Lord, we surrender to you. We renew our spirit in your hands. We ask you for your help, Lord. We need you.